Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. I am really excited here for episode number 24 of a pen and a napkin with the still alive, still fighting, they're not dead yet, Lamar's Bulldogs head coach, uh, Judd Copperud. Uh, I mistakenly threw a little dirt on them and I'm glad we talked about it before we started recording here. Uh, but uh, uh, Judd Copperud from Lamar's High School, the girls basketball coach, they've got a sub-state final here on Tuesday night. So I know how busy he is right now. and I'm really thankful that he's taken some time to talk to us here this week. But before we talk to Coach, uh, we, of course, want to recognize our sponsor, as always, Cosette Chiropractic, located 144th here in Maple, here in Omaha, Nebraska. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see Cosack Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at CosackChiro.com. That's K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com. Or give them a call at 402-964-0300. Be sure to tell Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi that a pen and a napkin sent you. Also, follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. You can just search a pen and a napkin. Uh, we try to put daily uh, tidbits on there. Uh, so be sure to follow us there, and you can listen to this podcast as well. And if you are listening to this podcast, you're either on SoundCloud or iTunes, so be sure to download it, rate it, review it, subscribe, give us five stars, uh, be sure to share it uh, with as many folks as you can. Uh, Coach Copperud was telling me that he's uh, shared some of this stuff with his, with uh, some of the folks that he knows. So uh, the whole purpose of this deal is to help out as many coaches as we can. Uh, as always, and the final thing before we jump in, if you would like to email us at the pod, uh, feel free, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Uh, don't, don't hesitate to reach out to us. If you've got questions, comments, suggestions, ideas for a show, uh, our, our pod last week came right from a suggestion from our email box. So that was really, really good. So, uh, but as I said, the aforementioned the reports of their death has been greatly exaggerated, including our pre-recording talk here. Coach Copperud, how are you tonight? Great. It's uh, awesome to be here, Marty. Awesome, awesome to have you. So uh, before we get into everything, you got a sub-state final on Tuesday night against Glenwood, Iowa? Yes, that is correct. We do. What's the scouting report say, Coach? Um, you know, boy, Glenwood is really athletic. Uh, they uh, have a lot of weapons. Um, uh, they can score um, all over the floor. And, uh, you know, they're undefeated right now, and, and they're having an unbelievable season. Um, you know, and they've, they've really uh, come a long ways. You know, a few years ago, um, the program wasn't obviously as strong as it is now, and, and they've really, um, you know, grown by leaps and bounds, and they have a lot of talent in there right now and, and uh, some amazing basketball players in that program. Um, and you watch them on film, and they are um, they're the real deal. So mm-hmm. um, it's going to take an incredible effort from our girls um, on Tuesday night. Um, but you know what? We're looking forward to the opportunity. Um, and in the postseason, anything can happen. Uh, and you just got to be better than somebody on one given night. So, um, you know, we're looking forward to it. We've had two incredible kind of, you know, March Madness type victories so <laughs> far. Um, and we're hoping uh, we can get some more magic uh, on Tuesday night. Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, it's not the NBA. You don't need to be better, you know, four out of seven uh, or anything like that. You just got to string together 32 minutes and, and make it happen for just those 32 minutes and, and, uh, you know, just find a way to get it done. 
I mean, yep, you are you are right, Marty. Yep. Uh, well, Coach, uh, like I said, I know you're you're you got to be crazy busy here, uh, and this is uh, I think you said was a fourth straight sub-state game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this is our fourth straight regional final or our fourth straight you know sub-state uh, final. Um, so it's it's really been cool for our program uh, to be able to get to four four in a row here. Um, not not a lot of programs can say that you know hey we've been in four straight regional finals and um, it's just a credit to our kids um, and all the work that they've put in and um, you know all the, the effort that they've put forth and um, it's it's been a lot of fun you know those regional finals are are kind of a, a magical <laughs> magical experience because you know the the, the postseason is hyped up and and uh, you know the fans are really into it and mm-hmm. um, it's it's really cool yeah. and. Uh, um, it's it's a lot of fun. So uh, we're looking forward to a great atmosphere again on Tuesday. And um, you know, our first two games have kind of been you know kind of you know magical. Like I said, with postseason, you know, we we go down to Sergeant Bluff on, last week, and um, we ended up winning on a three pointer with two seconds left. And um, then on uh, last night down at Carroll, we ended up winning in double overtime. And uh, it was just it was one of the most incredible games I've ever been a part of because we were down at the end of regulation, we were down at the end of the first overtime, we were down at the end of the second overtime and somehow came back and found a way in the last minute of the second overtime to win by three. Um, and, and this was all without two of our starters who were down with injuries. Um, so it was, it was an unbelievable experience. And that's what is so cool about high school sports is, you know, there were some kids for us last night that really stepped up and, um, you know, made some unbelievable plays that, they'll never forget for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's pretty cool. It's, it's pretty amazing to be a part of. And, uh, you know, I'm, I was just thrilled for our kids last night. I just really think it was all coaching. Um, no, 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 it was not all coaching. Let's put it that way. No, it was our kids just gutting it out and making plays. Um, that's, that's what it was. So, uh, you're far too humble, my friend, far too humble. So, well, uh, coach for the, you know, we, we, we like to start out. Uh, I'd like to give uh, folks a chance to kind of introduce themselves and, uh, you know, share their background with our listeners. Uh, so, uh, coach, how did you end up in the, the ice cream capital of the world, Lamar's Iowa? Yes, we are the ice cream capital of the world, home of Blue Bunny. Yes. Um, oh, Blue Bunny's awesome. That's the only ice cream I'll eat. So, um, <laughs> I think that's part of your contract, isn't it? It is. It yeah. is. Yes, yes. You're right about that. So, um, you know, I, I was born in Forest City, Iowa, and I lived in, in uh, you know, north central Iowa over there until I was about nine. And then my parents uh, moved up to northern Minnesota. Um, you know, my dad was an elementary school principal. Uh, my mom is still a college professor up there. My dad's retired now, but my mom's a college professor. So the jobs, you know, brought them up to northern Minnesota. Um, and I was a huge Hawkeye fan uh, when I grew up in Iowa until I was nine, and I moved up to Minnesota, and I still was a Hawkeye fan uh, mm-hmm. while I was up there, especially when you're around all the Gopher fans up there. So I, I'm a, you know, die diehard Hawkeye fan. And um, so then out of high school, I, I you know, was from Moorhead, uh, Minnesota, graduated from Moorhead High School. Um, then I went down to Luther College in Decorah, Iowa, mm-hmm. um, and graduated from Luther. Uh, met my wife there. Um, we got married right after we graduated from college. Um, she's also in education, um, and we were both teachers uh, right away out of college. And uh, actually, ironically, located back to Forest City, Iowa, which is kind of a you know small world story. But yeah. uh, so we ended up in Forest City, and we um, I coached and taught there for four years 
Um, and then my wife is originally from Lamar's and, um, jobs opened up back here, um, in Northwest Iowa. And, um, so obviously to be closer to her family and it, it, it is closer to my family as well. Um, we, we took jobs over here and, um, and honestly, you know, being a basketball coach, I, I love basketball in Northwest Iowa. I think it's, I'm biased, but I think it's the best part of the state in regards to boys and girls basketball. Um, mm-hmm. so I wanted to, yeah. you know, be around the best basketball in the state. So, um, as a coach, I thought it was a win-win, you know, obviously for our personal lives, but also for our professional lives as well, um, with teaching jobs and, and, uh, coaching and, and all that. Um, and then my wife, um, we lived in Mars right away. I got a teaching job here and coaching and uh, my wife was a, a counselor in Sheldon for eight years. And then I got hired here in Lamar's as well. And she's a counselor um, here in town. And um, I'm also a counselor as well now, um, actually at Lamar's community high school. Um, so I love my job and I love what I do as a counselor every day as well. Um, and then, um, you know, been the head coach now, this is my 10th year um, on the girls uh, program. Um, and then, uh, we have three kids. We have a sixth grade daughter. Uh, we have a son that's in third grade and then our youngest son, um, is in first grade. So, um, they keep us very busy. Um, and, uh, you know, between counseling and coaching and all their stuff, it's, you know, we don't have a lot of breaks and, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's okay though. Yeah. Uh, is the sixth grade daughter, is she a hooper? Uh, she, she does like basketball. Yeah. I'd, I'd say her favorite sport is softball, uh, okay. which is great. Um, you know, she loves basketball as well. And, and, um, you know, she plays volleyball and she likes to run, you know, so she's kind of, you know, in, in all the sports and that's great. We try and keep her active and in, in every sport, go from one season to the next and don't specialize and, um, you know, just keep it going. And, you know, today she had volleyball practice and then right from there we went to the gym and, you know, we were throwing and doing some hitting for softball in the gym as well. So, um, that's, it's fantastic. And then she goes and films our games, you know, for the varsity and, um, you know, she does a blast with that and, uh, she just, you know, just loves being around, being around sports. Have you, uh, thought ahead possibly to, uh, being her coach as well as her father <laughs> a little bit? Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. You know, you talk to other coaches who've done that cause there's a lot of those coaches out there who coach their daughters and they say it's an experience like none other. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's, yeah, it, it's, you know, and I, I coach her, uh, her, uh, travel team here in Lamar's. She has a little oh, sixth grade group. And, so you've eased and, your uh, way into it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we started that back in when she was in third grade and, um, you know, so we, we've been doing that for several years now and there's 12 girls on her team and, um, they enjoy it. They have a lot of fun and, um, you know, they're really good kids too. So yeah, I've already been getting some practice doing that. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. You haven't had the door slammed on you or anything yet. Have you? <laughs> no, no, she, but it is funny. She likes to take coaching. I think from the other, the other dads that are coaching on our staff, you know, with her, the sixth grade, with the travel team, I think she, <laughs> she listens to them a lot better than she listens to me. So, Oh, and, and it's just getting started. I can tell you that right <laughs> yeah, now. I yeah. Know. yeah. She's just getting to be a teenager. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you brought up uh, the the passion. I would use the word uh, passion of of Northwest Iowa uh, high school basketball, <laughs> and, and even the small college with you know Briarcliff, Morningside, Dort, Northwestern. If you go a little mm-hmm. bit over the border to USD and mm-hmm. uh, uh, that type of thing, uh, for for those folks that are unfamiliar with a random Friday night in the middle of January in Northwest Iowa, and you get a good rivalry game going, what's What's that like? I'm, I know what it is like. You know what it's like. But for those that don't know what it's like, you know. Yeah, you know. yeah there, there's there's nothing like it. I mean, it's, 
it's incredible, um, especially when it's like you said, a rivalry game um, where the gym is packed and you can just feel the the intensity. You can feel the excitement, um, and, and the other thing is you can kind of feel the tradition as well, uh-huh. um, especially with a lot of these schools that are are deep in in basketball tradition. Um, and it's it's really cool, um, and it's just it's amazing to be a part of because it's something I don't take for granted. And, um, you know, we try and talk to our kids about that as well. I mean, just how much this means. And you see people that, you know, are in these towns that have been there forever and Mm -hmm. their families have been entrenched in these, these towns, these communities, these, these schools, and, and there's so much pride involved. And, you know, on a Friday night or Tuesday night, whatever, when, when it's a big game, I mean, people come out for it and, and it's exciting. Um, and it's, it's just like I said, I, I feel like, especially in Northwest Iowa, because basketball is taken so seriously up here, and there's so many good teams and so many good programs and coaches and players. Uh-huh. It's just, it's it's unbelievable, and and the high level of basketball as well. I mean, attracts a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, you have people that come to watch games that you know may not even have an association with either team, uh, but they want to see a really good game or they want to see some some high level basketball. And they'll see it on, on Friday nights, and uh, it's so much fun. Um, you know, and I know you go up to Sioux County, for example, and, and boys and girls basketball up there is just, it's incredible. Yeah. And, you know, when I came here to Lamar's, um, I wanted to be a part of that. I, I wanted to, you know, feel the, the excitement of, of Northwest Iowa basketball. And, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to um, to be here and, and uh, be around it and experience it firsthand. And I can honestly tell you there's nothing like it. And um, it just seems like year after year it just continues. Um, and I think part of that is because we've got so many great schools around here, so many great communities that are so supportive of, of basketball and athletics. And then you have coaches that are just, you know, the best anywhere, in my yeah. opinion. And like I said, I'm biased, but yeah. I, feel like the, I feel like the coaches around here and, and you know, are, are just – are the best and um it's 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 awesome i love it well i I think one thing that makes it unique about the the passion is it's kind of an area that's that's a bit on an island i mean you got you got sioux city and you got sioux falls and then that's that's about it i mean you gotta go you gotta go almost two plus hours to get to omaha you're going three and a half four ish to des moines four 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 and a half to minneapolis and, and so, you know, kind of like here in Omaha, you can you you go to a uh, you can go to a Millard North game, or you can go to any high school game, but you can also go down to a Creighton game, or you're 45 minutes away from Lincoln, and you can go down there for a game, and you, and you got so many options. And and if if your if your uh, high school team loses on Friday night, well, you go to the Creighton game on Saturday afternoon. If they win, well, you feel okay, you know, it's not that big a deal. You can kind of recover. And and I think. You know when 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 Lamar's loses to Whole Western Christian, there's no backup plan. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, yeah. you, you kind of yeah. and and one of the things that I remember was was not only you would lose or or win a game on Friday night, um, but then a lot of times on Saturday night you'd be working at your part time high school job with the same kids you just played against the night before because mm-hmm. you know there's a there's a town of anywhere from 3 to 5000 people about every 8 to 10 miles and right. and and so 
you know, where I grew up in Sheldon, we had kids from Boyden Hall. We had kids from Hall Western Christian. We had kids from Sibley. We had kids from, uh, you know, Hospers and MOC, you know, that would, that, that we were working together with. And so, yeah, you'd, you'd play a, you'd play a basketball game or you'd play a baseball game. Or if you're the girls, you play a softball game or volleyball, whatever it may be. And, but then, you know, uh, two hours later, you might be flipping some pizzas with them at the pizza ranch, you know? God, yeah. Cause every town has a pizza ranch. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. On, and on yeah. the eighth day, the good Lord invented the pizza ranch, right? That's right. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because, you know, you brought up Hall Western Christian. I mean, uh, you know, when I, when I came over to Lamar's, I, I think, you know, Lamar's is, this is our first year of not being in the lakes conference. Um, you know, we went to the Missouri River Conference now, uh, starting with this year. But uh, for years, Lamar's was in the Lakes Conference with Hall Western Christian, and we still play them in a non-conference game every year. But uh-huh. um, you know, when I got here, it's like when Lamar's played Western, the the crowds it was just different. I mean, it, yeah. it was it, there were more people there. People would just come out that were more just you know random. Hey, I just want to see a great game. I don't, I don't have any relatives or kids on the team or I just want to see a great game or I want to support our school or community, whatever. And it didn't take me long to figure out, I mean, just how great of a rivalry it was. And, and even when we were in college and, you know, my wife had a cousin that uh, played on a state tournament team here at Lamar's and back when they were the same class, you know, I remember how big of a deal it was when, you know, she came in and said, Oh my gosh, they beat Western. Oh my gosh, they beat Western. Mm -hmm. You know, John had 21 points. Oh, they beat Western. She like, I was like, Beat Western? Who's Western? You know, what, what, what's going on? You know, who? And she was telling, oh my God, but they're like, you know, da-da-da. and she just went on and on about Hall Western Christian. Yeah. So when I came here, it was it was a huge deal. And so, um, you know, as, as the girls coach and getting our program going years and years ago, I mean, we started from uh, square one and we were really trying to build this thing up. And we got our, and we got our tails kicked in by Western many, many times. And finally, you know, a few years back, we were able to finally break through and we beat them up at Western by four. And it was the first time we had beaten Western Christian in girls basketball at Lamar's in, I don't even want to guess how many years. I mean, it was, yeah. it was a long time. And um, so when we finally knocked them off and, and Ashton Verbeek, you know, was playing at Nebraska right now, was was playing for them. And and uh, we ended up, like I said, beating them by four up there and just an unbelievable effort. Um, and I, I, you know, always tell people, um, you know, after that game, if we beat Western, the five best days of my life were, you know, the three days my three kids were born, my <laughs> my wife's, you know, or getting married to my wife and beating Hall Western Christian <laughs> girls basketball. But I'm not going to tell you what order they're in. You know? <laughs> so I, I honestly mean that, that. That was one of the five best days of my life. But again, I'm not going to tell you what order those five days are in. Um, but it was, like I said, it was an incredible emotional victory. And I remember you know, going to the locker room and after the game and the girls were just, I'd never seen a, such an excited locker room in my life. I mean, they were, uh-huh. you know, screaming and jumping up and down and hugging each other and some were yeah. shedding some tears and it was just, it was amazing. And, um, like I said, it was just one of those moments and, you know, I know coaching is not all about winning and losing, but at the same time, you know, when you remember victories like that, it's just something that you'll have forever. And um, it says a lot about the program that Western Christian has, too, every single year. Uh, but when we finally knocked them off, it, it was, like I said, it was it was incredible. Um, and all that's for sure. Yeah, I, I kind of had a similar experience, but it was with South Sioux City, which is kind of, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, yep, yeah, absolutely. you know, and they, they beat our heads in and beat our heads in. And when I was an assistant, we beat them. We beat them once. Um, and then, um, you know, we, uh, 
we got them in a district final to go to the state tournament and we had to win to get the state. Uh, we, we, we had the wild card system at the time and, uh, yeah, it was kind of the same thing where it was like, okay, finally, after four years, we finally gotten, kind of gotten over this, you know, hump that we've created for ourselves, you know, and, and, and you know, until we beat this team, I don't really feel like we've gotten to where we want to go, you know, right. and that was kind of right. the, the validation. I think that's kind of what you're saying. It was like the validation of, okay, I, yeah. I, th- I think we've, I think we've arrived and we, we got to continue yeah. to work hard, if not harder to, mm-hmm. to continue to validate this, this is not a fluke and we've got to prove that it's not a fluke. So we can't rest on our laurels. Uh, right. but, but this was a big step in that process. That's kind of what you're saying. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And yeah. and honestly, you know, I, we two years ago we ended up, you know, going to the state tournament. We got to the semifinals, and 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 it was it was an unbelievable experience. And again, something I'll never forget. But at the same time, um, I, you know, after the season was over, I told our radio guy during an interview. I said, you know, that was amazing. That was great. But at the same time. For me, I think a bigger thrill was winning what I called the Tour of Sioux County, you know, because in that one year, for the first time in school history, we beat Western Christian, we beat Unity Christian, we beat Sioux Center, and we beat MOC. So we beat all four of them for the first time in school history in the same season. And and for me, that was, you know, that, that was like almost... I mean, on the same level, you know, yeah. it's going to the state tournament. It was, yeah. it was, it just, it was, I, I walked away saying that was an accomplishment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. State tournament was great. That's fine. But winning what I called like the tour of Sioux County was, I mean, just unbelievable. And, and doing that for the first time that had ever been done, I, I thought was like history making. I thought that was pretty, I thought that was pretty cool. And when I, mentioned it at our banquet at the end of the year a lot of the parents were like nodding and kind of whispering to each other like wow yeah yeah because they're from here too they understand sure. sioux county basketball they they know what it's like up there and to be able to beat those four schools in the same season i mean that's that's just like i said i felt like that was an accomplishment that um you know was worth noting without a doubt as, as far as being something that was was incredible do you think sometimes um you know, being in Northwest Iowa, whether it's on the boys' side or the girls' side, I've always thought that's, that there are years where it's harder to get to the state tournament if you're in Northwest Iowa than it is to win the state tournament. Oh, no question. No question about it. And, and you know, we my, it's kind of funny. The boys' coach, uh, you know, Lamar's uh, Dave Irwin and I were having kind of this conversation the other day, and we were talking about how many great teams, you know, that, that don't – end up getting down to the state tournament, you know, year in and year out that could do a lot of damage down the state tournament just because they get beat out up here. It's almost like a mini state tournament up here to even get down to Des Moines. Um, and I think a perfect example, you know, you're a Sheldon guy. I mean, go back to Claude Stroop, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, how many years, and Claude was an incredible coach, an incredible coach. And he coached many, many years at Sheldon and never got down there because you know, he, they, every year they kept getting beat by Sioux Center or by Western Christian or Rock Valley or somebody. And then yeah. finally, in his last season, they got down there and won the whole thing. Yeah. And what a great way to go out for Claude. And I was so happy for him that, that obviously he was able to end like that. Um, but, it, you know, the number of times Sheldon had great teams that, that could have gone down there and, and won a game or two. Yeah. You know? And they just, you know... He, you lose to somebody like, like I mentioned, a few of those teams or MLC or whoever it might be. Yeah. It's just, you know, 
you you <laughs> you put so much in your season, you work so hard, and and then you get to the postseason and you see the the postseason draw, and you're like, oh boy, here we go. I mean, let's <laughs> let's go. I mean, this is this is you know whoever gets out of here is going to be battle tested. Whoever gets out of here is going to have a shot to get down there and do some damage. Yeah. And when somebody comes out of the Siouxland Conference, you know we were talking about this the other day too. I mean, the number of boys programs in the Siouxland Conference that have won a state championship. Yeah. I mean, I, if I'm not mistaken, I, I, I'd i have to go back and check, but I, I, I believe it, all of them have won a state championship, if I'm not mistaken, except for, you know, I don't know if Okaboji or Siblio didn't have, but I know the rest of them, you know, I, I believe have won a state championship in boys basketball. Yeah. I mean, how many conferences, how many conferences can say that? Um, not many. Which is, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that. I'd, I'd have to go through the roll call in my head, and we, yeah. we can we can do that when we're off the phone here. We yeah, don't, there you, you know, go, there but, you go. But, yeah. or, or when yeah. we're not recording, I should say. Yep. But uh, yep. um, so let's jump in to to your you know job there at Lamar's, and like you said, when you took over, it was it was a it was a project. Uh, it was mm-hmm. it was uh, it was a rebuild. You know, and you know six seven years eight years later uh you're down in, at the barn well not the barn anymore wells fargo and uh you're in the state semifinals. uh what did you prioritize i mean I, we, we've got coaches from all different spectrums that listen to this um and and if you're talking to somebody who's taken over a, a situation that you took over uh which was pretty well from the ground up um at the time you know what's What's the process that you went through? What did you prioritize? Um, you know, just kind of take us through that, Coach. Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think, first of all, you have to have a vision. I, I think having a vision is incredibly important, uh, where you want the program to go um, and how you're going to get there. And, um, you know, my vision you know, right away was um, – you know, we're going to increase our numbers. We're going to get kids, you know, interested in basketball. We're going to get excitement built around um, girls basketball. Um, and I, I think you do whatever you can in the schools and in the community um, to, to get people excited and, and to, to share in your vision that, hey, you know what, this is this is going to be a great thing that we're going to get going in this program. Um, and it has to start young. It has to start at the lower levels. And I'm, I'm not you know, obviously given anything that's, that's, you know, earth shattering there, but at the same time, um, it does, it, I mean, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And, you know, so we started, um, doing stuff with our younger kids in the summer, um, you know, with, with youth stuff, you know, with between youth open gyms, you know, tacked on to our, our older kids, you know, high school open gyms, um, you know, and, and really organizing our youth camp in the summer and really get that going, um, making sure there's, you know, at every grade level, there's, um, you know, dads that are, uh, or moms, whoever that are running travel teams, organizing those and, and playing basketball then throughout the winter as well. Um, you know, and giving kids opportunities to play and, and that's huge. Um, so once we kind of got, you know, the, the younger kids, you know, going and established, then all of a sudden now you can kind of see, okay, you know, there, there's solid kids coming at each level. And, and, um, I think, I think that's really important. Um, you know, as, as far as getting the youth going. And I think, 
you know, also um, making the connection between your your high school kids and, and the older kids and, and the younger kids. So the older kids are being role models for the younger kids. Um, I think that's important. So those younger kids have somebody to look up to, and they have somebody that hey, you know, I want to I want to play. I want to play high school basketball like like that girl. You know, I want to I want to be like her. Um, and, and going to watch her on Tuesday nights or Friday nights or whatever, I think is a big deal. And so they start dreaming about that and they start you know working for it as well. And I think I think that's really important too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the younger stuff is is important. So the vision with the younger kids, I, I think, is incredibly important. And then at our youth camp every year, we have speakers come, like some of our high school kids or former Bulldogs. You know, so we were involving. You know, kids that had graduated, um, you know, and moved on as well. So we were tying, you know, tying them back into the program that, hey, this is, this is a big deal. You know, we want to be a program that, you know, you graduate, you move on and you're proud to be a Bulldog and, and you're proud to come back and, um, you know, you're always going to be a bulldog, you know, kind of like North Carolina, you know, you're always in that Carolina family, you know, for mm-hmm. example, and we wanted to kind of build that here. Um, so you always have a, you know, an invested interest in, in, uh, you know, bulldog basketball um so with the younger kids i think that's been huge you know and, and now through the years our younger kids come to our games and whether it's poster signings after games or youth stuff in the off season or you know travel teams visiting our locker room before and after games i mean the youth stuff has been important because now kids love basketball in lamar's kids are thinking basketball that's what they want to do and and it's something that you know you just you you, you play basketball and, and i think that's part of the culture here now and that's huge um, as far as our high school program at the time, um, you know, in the off season, uh, we really had to amp up our off season stuff with our high school kids. And, you know, that was, that was huge. Uh, we had to start playing more in the summer, um, you know, investing more time with open gyms, the weight room, we had to get established, uh, and getting kids lifting. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of those things and kind of changing the, the culture that, Hey, you know what, in the summer, yes, you can. You know, you can still play softball. I mean, that's great. Be a multi-sport athlete. You can still do these other things. But at the same time, you can still become a better basketball player in the summer. And so yeah. we've tried to, tried to, you know, obviously get our kids interested in, in playing a lot in the summer as well. And I think that's been huge. Um, and then you also use it as team bonding, too, I mean, in, in the summer as well, because um, you really, you know, become close together. You go on a road trip somewhere else and stay in a hotel or, you know, whatever it might be. Or we go up to Okaboji in the summer and, you know, stay at a former player's, you know, parents' uh, condo. I mean, you know, that, that's, that stuff is fun. You know, and girls love that. And, and it really builds a bond that carries over from the summer into the season a few months later. So I, I think getting that going was, was really important. So you know, coming back to my original comment about a vision, you know, the vision with our current high school kids at the time, you know, 10 years ago was, okay, we have to put more time in the off season. And then that off season work is going to lead us to bigger and better things, you know, during the season. Um, and then um, also our younger kids, our, our vision with our younger kids had to be, you know, playing more basketball and, and getting excited about it and having fun with it and enjoying it. And then really learning and, and doing fundamentals and things like that, um, especially at a young age. Um, and then, um, like I said, even when kids have moved on, we want them to feel like they're still a part of Bulldog basketball. And it's cool to see former players come back to practices or come back to games. And, and uh, we feel like we've kind of gotten that culture established and it's, it's been really cool. And, um, you know, it's fun when, when you're able to connect with former players. Like even on Tuesday, we play Glenwood, and I have a former player that's in her first year as a teacher and an assistant coach on their staff. And she and I were texting the other night after after the game, 
uh, when we beat Carroll and, and they beat Harlan. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about, hey, Tuesday is going to be a lot of fun. And I told her, I, I said, I'm really proud of you because, I mean, you're, you're teaching and you're coaching and you're making a difference in the lives of others. And um, I, you know, and she's just said, hey, you know what, I, I'm, I'm loving this. And, and it's going to be a lot of fun. But it's cool to see a former player, a former Bulldog. And, and um, she understands our culture and, and what we're all about as well. So, um, you know, I know that's a lo- really long answer and I could keep going on different <laughs> things with that. But um, I think just having a vision, I think, is important. And then really working hard at it. As a coach, um, you, you really have to work hard and you have to get better yourself as well. And, and my vision as a coach for to improve myself was – you know, I need to go to clinics in the off season. I need to talk to other coaches. I need to get different ideas and, and really um, improve myself as a coach as well. And um, I, I think that's that's been huge as far as you know establishing that work ethic because if I'm working hard and the girls see that, then, then they're going to want to work hard as well. So um, you know, I, I think those things are, are very important um, when you're getting a program, uh, you know, you're trying to rebuild it. Um, and then – you know, there's going to be tough moments when you're rebuilding a program, and it's it's going to happen. But you gotta you gotta stay the course, and you gotta be mentally tough. And and um, you know, there, there's going to be there's going to be down moments for sure. Um, there's going to be challenges, but um, you know, you have to be able to to work through those um, and and have support in doing that. So, what uh, what influence did uh, a guy like Jim Ekoff have, or or Lauren DeYoung? have on mm-hmm. you taking all of these and your own initial thoughts and, and, and putting this all together into this vision that, that you had for the program. Yeah. And, and when I, when I coached in Forest City, um, I had some, some coaches that I was an assistant under that, um, I thought were, were incredible coaches. You know, they might not have been the state championship, you know, I rattling off, you know, hall of fame numbers and all that. Um, but these guys were, were my mentors and they were absolutely amazing, um, to work under, you know, one of them, his name is Chad Angel. Another one, his name is Chad Moore. Um, and Chad Moore is, he's still a football coach over there. And Chad Angel now is an assistant on the boys basketball staff at Waverly Shell Rock. And, uh, but Chad Angel was the head girls coach there. And Mr. Angel um, and I worked a few of those camps with Mr. Viss. There you go. So, uh, there may have been a little bit of messing with Chad Angel after curfew. <laughs> I won't get into specific specific stories because nothing would surprise me. I'll uh, put it that way, the so. statutes of the limitations are not gone yet, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, those guys. I mean, I, I found out firsthand how to you know organize a program, how to um, basically you know build a program up and and that type of thing. And I I, I learned every single day from those guys. Um, it was it was a coaching clinic every single day, and I. I remember I would take every note that I could on what they were saying, on what they did. Um, I kept three-ring binders of um, handouts or, you know, X's and O's or, um, you know, anything they would print off and give to me, I kept it. And um, I still have it in my office. It's, you know, a three-ring binder labeled for city. And it's just a gold mine of, you know, coaching wisdom and um, anything with you know, rebuilding a program and, and getting it to be a, a successful program year in and year out. And those guys were, those guys were the best. I mean, they were, they were absolutely amazing. And so for me, um, you know, as a young coach, I couldn't have asked for better mentors because I feel like personally, when you're a young coach and you come into this profession, um, I, I think a, a great mentor is priceless. Um, you have to have somebody who does it the right way, who's ethical, 
who um, understands, you know, how, what a coach needs to be. And those guys for me were, were just that. And, um, you know, I, I cringe sometimes if I see young coaches with mentors that, you know, are, are just not very strong. And it, it's, it, it's hard to see that um, because I know firsthand how great of mentors I had when I was, when I was first getting in, I owe those guys everything. Um, mm-hmm. And so for me, where I'm at, I try to help any other young coach that I possibly can. Um, but those guys were the best. I mean, they were, they were unbelievable. Um, and so I, I think, you know, uh, the visions that they had, I, I, I tried to steal as much as I could, but at the same time, you have to be yourself. You know, you have to understand who you are as a coach and you can't, you can't, you know, try to be somebody you're not because people are going to see right through that. You have to, you can take ideas, you can steal things and that's great um, and get ideas um, and learn, but at the same time, you have to be yourself. And I think working under those guys, you know, I, I was able to, you know, develop my own coaching style, develop who I was and also learn all at the same time. And then, so I came to Lamar's and so when I came over here, you're just, you're around a, I mean, it, it, the whole area is just a coaching clinic. I mean, it's just, it, you go on a Friday night to watch a game and, and you will get a coaching clinic. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I first came over here, you know, and Jim Ecoff was, you know, coaching at Western and Lauren, Lauren's still coaching at um, MLC. Um, those guys, those guys were, oh my, and they still are just, you know, unbelievable. And, you know, I reached out to both of them because, I mean, they had, I mean, I was just an assistant coach here at Lamar's. I mean, they had no idea who I was. And, and so I just had to reach out to them. And I reached out to Lauren first. And I said, hey, I'd love to get together and talk basketball with you. You know, and so Lauren and I got together up at, you know, Orange City one day back in 2007, you know, on a Saturday in Orange City. And, and uh, we talked basketball for about five hours. It at, was, the, at the pizza It was range? incredible. No, 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 not at the pizza ranch. No, no, okay. no surprisingly not. Surprisingly okay. not. Right. No, Lauren and Lauren and I have met at I, we have met at the pizza ranch for lunch before, but okay. um, that first meeting was actually at the high school. So okay. we had whiteboards. Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah, it was. It was incredible. I I learned so much. And Lauren uh, had this little printout, this little um, you know uh, Bible verse, you know, from Proverbs for me. You know, and and he said, "Hey, I want to give this to you." You know, and I was like, oh, and I read it, I'm like, oh, thanks, you know, about refreshing others um, and how you'll be refreshed then. And I still have it. It's it's on my computer at school, you know, and mm-hmm. I see it every single day. Um, and, that was, and now it's 13 years old. So, um, you know, for Lauren, um, I mean, Lauren is, I mean, he, he's, he's a walking encyclopedia of basketball knowledge. I mean, that guy knows the game inside and out. And, and that day for five hours, I mean, I, I mean, Lauren could have kept talking for another five hours, but I remember, and I still have, again, I, I keep everything and I've got notes from conversations. I got notes from clinics. I've got notes from, you know, yeah. videos or whatever it is. And I like a lot of other coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but Lauren, um, you know, Lauren was kind enough to, uh, donate a lot of his time, you know, uh, for me. Um, and I, I still stay in contact with Lauren and we get together and talk basketball every once in a while. And, you know, he's, he's amazing. And then Jim Ecoff, um, you know, I, I don't know how much time you have on the podcast here, but, um, I, I could sit and talk about, you know, uh, my relationship with Jim for you know a long time because, you know, he's, he's been an invaluable mentor, um, you know, for me as well. And, um, you know, another guy I reached out to and, and, you know, forged a friendship with him. And, um, you know, we, we try and get together for breakfast up in Sioux center, um, you know, every once in a while throughout the year. And, um, you know, he's just, he's, he's been a great friend for me and, and a mentor. And I've learned, you know, a tremendous amount from him. 
Um, and uh, one more, one little story I'll just tell real quick about Jim that, that I'll never forget. This is this this to me was like the ultimate ultimate compliment as a coach. But um, he emailed me one time um, over the summer, you know, and uh, I was, we were up in the Twin Cities. My brother lived up there, and we were at a Twins game. And all of a sudden, my phone buzzed, and it was an email from Jim, and he said, "Hey, Judd." He's like, this is Jim, and, you know, I'd love to uh, get together and let's let's talk some defense. I want to pick your brain on defense. You know, he said, let's let's get together on Monday, you know, Monday morning in Lamar's. I'll, I'll come down and, you know, we'll meet at the school and uh, at your classroom. And I said, absolutely, no question about it. And so, um, you know, we, we meet at the class, in my classroom, 8 a.m. on a Monday morning, and um, Jim wants to talk defense. And he comes in, and I was teaching at the time. You know, now I'm a counselor, but I, was, I have some of my classroom teaching at the time. So he comes in, he sits down at a desk, you know, right, right in front, first row, and he takes out his his notebook and his pen, and he says, "All right," he said, "Go. I want you to talk defense. I'm here to take notes." And I was floored. You know, I was floored. Here I am, a you know, a young coach. And, sure. You know, I, I'd only been you know at this in, in the head coaching thing for a little while, and and. Um, you know, here's Jim who'd won, you know, seven state titles and, and all this. And, and, uh, here he is wanting to want me to go through defense with him. And I, I just said, Jim, I, why? I mean, I, you've, <laughs> you've won seven state titles. I mean, you, you know, everything there is to know. You've forgotten more basketball than I'll ever know. And he said, I, I still want to get better. He said, I still need to learn. And he said, if we want to win another state title this year, he said, we have to get better on the defensive end. We have to. And I said, all right, well, let's go. And so next thing you know, I'm drawing stuff up on the whiteboard. We're going through stuff. And I could feel myself sweating the whole time. You know, like, <laughs> here I am. Here I am, this young coach. And I'm drawing stuff. I'm writing stuff on the board. And I got Jim Ekoff sitting there just, you know, watching everything, taking notes. And I, I'm just going, oh, my gosh. You know, I'm, I'm going to goof this up somehow. Or he's judging everything I'm saying or whatever. And, you know, we, we sat there and, and talked and talked and talked. Well, finally, at about you know, 1230, he's like, ah, he said, I got to get going. He said, I got a meeting up in hall at one o'clock. And I said, Jim, it's 1230. So you're gonna be late for it. He's like, yeah, I know. I know. But he said, I could keep talking here. But he said, I finally, I figured I'd better get up to this meeting up in hall. And so, um, you know, I thanked him for his time and, and it was, it was incredible, but you know, so we sat there and talked, but it was so inspiring for me as a coach, seeing a guy who'd won seven state titles mm-hmm. and in hundreds and hundreds of games, still wanting to learn. Yeah. You know, still wanting to, you know, become better. Yeah. And for me, I'm like, that is so inspiring. I mean, that's so motivating. It's not just for coaching. I mean, that's for anything in life. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you can't get complacent and you can't, you know, rest on your laurels. You, you've got to stay hungry and in anything. Yeah. Um, you can't become stagnant. And Jim, I, I was, you know, like I said, I was so motivated by that, that, wow, this guy still wants to learn. He still wants to get better. And, and I was extremely humbled that he wanted to come up and, and talk basketball with me. And like I said, I was so intimidated sitting here trying to draw stuff up for Jim Ekoff, you know, and, and, uh, but like I said, he, he's a, he's a very good friend of mine. And, and, um, you know, we've, we've talked basketball, so many times and, and every time we get together it seems like he tells new stories that I haven't heard before and, and I just you know, I, I'm very grateful for his friendship and, and uh without the coaching profession I, I would never have been able to forge that friendship with, sure. with a guy like Jim. We had that a couple of weeks ago, uh maybe about a month ago. We did a uh we did a round table pod. Um and uh mm-hmm. and um you know, Kelly Flynn who's Yes. One 
you know, legendary. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've known Kelly for 25 years and we, mm-hmm. we went head to head numerous times. Uh, we, 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 we always got along extremely well off the court, but we were in the same conference. We were mm-hmm. in the same district. We're both highly competitive guys. I, there was on more than one occasion where we started talking a little crap with each other a little bit mm-hmm. on the sideline. Cause you know, we're just into it now, you know, five or 10 minutes mm-hmm. after the game, everything's fine, you know, but, yep. uh, but we were doing this round table pod. And, uh, I think I told this story on another pod. Um, uh, but we're sitting there talking. It was me and Jerome Skirdla uh, from Gretna, who's won 500 and some games. Kelly's won 500 games. Uh, John O'Connor, who's got his team to the state tournament for the first time here in Nebraska. And we're just going, you know, just doing the pod here. And and we're, we're going through some transition stuff. And uh, all of a sudden, Kelly grabs a, a napkin, a couple napkins, and he starts writing stuff down that we're going through. He's, and then, you know, he starts kind of quizzing us. And then when we got done, he was asking a couple of questions about it. And, uh, and, you know, that was a side of Kelly I'd never seen before. You know, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and you know, actually, I think I, I took a quick picture. I don't know if he knew I took the picture or not. I but, saw that. I saw that picture. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. Yep, you I know, saw that on Twitter. Yep. You know, and, and like I said, you know, I've known Kelly for 25 years. And, you know, that was just a side of him that I'd never seen that, you know, here's a guy who's, who's, like Jim, who's done about everything you can do as a high school coach. And, and he's just like, you know, what can I do to get better? How can I make my team better this year? And, and yes. so forth and so on. So, and I, and yes. I, and I don't think it's coincidence that with that type of mental attitude, uh, that's why those guys have done what, what yeah. they've done along with having yeah. great players and, and, yeah, developing and, and players. Yeah, and, you know, and, and you're right. And, and I would, I would say that hundred percent. I, I agree with you. I mean, obviously Western Christian has had incredible talent through the years. You don't obviously win that many games and, and whatnot without talent, but at the same time, I, you know, I, I think sometimes people on the outside just say, Oh, wow, they have so much talent and Oh, they're just good because they've got, you know, all these kids and yes, they're good. But at the same time, you know, people don't understand just how good of a coach Jim is. I mean, yeah. how sharp he is. And <laughs> it, it, it is unbelievable. It's almost like a, a sixth sense is what he has. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's uncanny. And, um, yes, you can have a lot of talent, but at the same time you have to find ways to get that talent to play together and to yes. work together and to execute. And, um, like we've said, you know, earlier in the podcast, how many great programs and great teams and great players and other great coaches are up here in this part of the state. And, it's not easy. Yes. It's not easy to, no. to win up here. No. And he has been able to do that, you know, year in and year out. And um, I, I think that goes to the fact that he's just hungry all the time and, and he wants to learn. He wants to get better. And, and he, you know, he'd be the first, if you want to get together, he wants to get together too. And he wants to talk basketball, even, yeah. even in retirement now. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, if he's not traveling, he loves to travel now in retirement, but if he's around, I mean, he's going to games and he's still, you know, uh, texting about something he saw or a great idea or a play or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it's really cool. Do you, do you think sometimes, and I, and I think people just kind of think, well, if you get talent, you win. And, and I've been in the situation. Um, and I know other coaches have been, uh, sometimes your most talented, your more talented teams are sometimes your harder teams to coach from from november to march in the sense of balancing personalities and uh finding roles that everybody is willing to uh 
uh, embrace, accept, fulfill, you know, excel in, you know, that type of thing. Um, that can be, uh, that can be difficult to do, you know, Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? I, I think you're hundred percent right. Um, it, it just because on paper, um, you, you think you've got a lot of talent, it doesn't mean all of a sudden it's just going to magically come together. Um, you have to have so many things that go into it, you know, to, to make a, a successful season, to make a magical season um, when you've got, you know, talent. And um, I, I think you have to have strong leadership. Um, and, and like you mentioned it too, you have, you have kids who buy into their roles. I mean, I, I think that is in itself a huge secret of, of success is getting kids to, to buy into their roles. And, you know, for us, you know, some of these years, the last several years, you know, when we've had, you know, talent returning and, oh my gosh, you know, they're going to be good this next year or whatever, you know, we stress to our kids all the time. I mean, you know, you got to think, I mean, you, you can't listen to the noise outside. You know, you, you've got to worry about, you know, uh, what you can control here, and, and that's getting better all the time, and that's staying hungry and staying humble and, and working together and, and thinking about the big picture. And, and we just, just all those constant messages, and we try not to ever make it about winning and losing. And we don't walk into games saying, God, we got to win this game, or, you know, <laughs> oh, we can't lose tonight. You know, I, it's never it's never about that. I mean, it's it's about how we're playing. It's about how we're competing and, and that type of thing. And I think when you stress – things besides the winning and the losing I, I think we don't ever really even talk about it and I think that in itself is another huge key uh, when you've got a talented team so you're not putting additional pressure and additional stress on especially high school kids um, because high school kids I mean they, they've got a million other things going on and, and we all know their brains aren't fully developed yet so I mean it, it, it's not something you want to keep heaping on to them and stressing them out about so um I think for us, you know, not talking about the winning and losing and, and, and just talking about roles and talking about uh, playing as a team and, and big picture and, and having a good experience and enjoying it and having fun and, and uh, you know, involving them in, in different things in the program. I, I think that stuff is huge. And um, I, I think that helps things kind of come together at least. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, I mean, if you talk about the experience and having fun and enjoying it, at the end of the day, regardless of, of talent or whatever, I mean, it's a game, you know, yeah. and you got to have fun doing it. And and when kids truly enjoy it and they have fun doing it, I, I think it takes a lot of that pressure off and kids can play loose that way. Um, you know, and, and we, another thing I, I think is important too is we keep things real simple. I, I mean, we, we want kids going out and playing and not having to think a whole lot. I mean, just go out and play hard. And, and I think when you're not thinking, you're playing faster and you're playing, you know, more loose. And I think, you know, that helps to not play tight. Cause I think sometimes when you're stressed or, you know, Oh my gosh, we got to win. Or I mean, then you start playing tight or you're thinking too much because you have too many, too many offensive plays in, or uh, we're playing too many different defenses or whatever it might be. Um, I think that goes in, into it as well. So I think there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I, I agree with you hundred percent that, you know, um, just because you have a lot of talent, you know, on paper and, and a team's going to be real good doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to come together. Um, there's a lot of other factors that are involved that, that help it come together. Yeah. You, you were kind of talking about, you know, not, if, you know, not freaking out or anything like that. And for some stupid reason, I thought of Will Ferrell in the movie Old School, oh. where he's like, 
we can't freak out. We gotta stay together. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know. And, uh, uh, hopefully, you don't have second degree burns while you're giving that speech no, or something like no, that. No, so. that's true. Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, uh, coach, we're gonna pivot here a little bit. We're gonna go to our Don Meyer quote of the day. Uh, one of the best, if not the best, my own personal goat uh, here. Um, the Don Meyer quote of the day. Pick battles big enough to fight, but small enough to win. Like it. I, Don Meyer's the best. He is the GOAT. I, I can't argue with you at all on that one, 100%. The guy, the guy is the best. That, that's for sure. He, he, was, he, he was the true coach's coach. I mean, yeah, that guy was, was incredible. And anything you've watched on him or the books that have been you know written, it's... <laughs> It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. He, he, in my opinion, he's the best basketball coach, you know, that, that we have ever seen, you know, at any level, any gender, you know, um, I, he's just, he's incredible. Yeah. I mean, he, what he did for basketball and, and he's, he, he has still impacted all of us as oh, yeah. coaches Absolutely. I, I mean, on, on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, it, it's amazing. His legacy will never be forgotten. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know you owe a lot to Don Meyer. I owe a lot to Don Meyer. I mean, I, I, you know, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah I can't, we don't have enough time in the podcast to go on about Don Meyer. I'll no, no, we, we could have a special, uh, round table podcast just on Don just Meyer. Just on Don Meyer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. hundred percent. hundred percent. If, uh, if, if either one of my boys would ever get into coaching, um, uh, my daughter is is you know what's a ball uh she's you know which is which is fine she she mm-hmm. she's got her strengths in other areas but you know yep. uh, uh you know i would have to bequeath them my uh my don meyer dvd and books yes. and, and and notebooks yes. and all that other stuff so yes. uh, they'll, they'll probably have to build another edition on their first home for it and all that kind of stuff so. <laughs> but uh well let's uh let's jump into some uh let's jump into some x's and o's here um sure. One of the things that I, you know, I told I told you this uh, before we got going, but I, I kind of look back because uh, you kind of gave me a blank slate. Hey, let's just talk about whatever you want to talk about. So I'm going to take that and run with it. Um, Absolutely. And one of the things I look back on is like, God, we haven't talked a lot about this. Uh, is is attacking zone defenses and and what to do, how to how to prep for attacking zone defenses and, and what to look for and maybe some basic, you know, just some X's and O's with it and and, and whatever, just kind of wherever you want to take it, Judd. Uh, But just, we have not uh, in in our 23 previous pods, uh, we have talked very little, if any, about attacking zones. And I think it's kind of an underrated thing. I, I talked with one coach about a, you know, playing zone like a one three one with Kevin Chief from down here at Wahoo, Nebraska. Uh but um your your philosophy about attacking uh zones on offense, how to attack a zone, uh what you're looking for, maybe some drill work that you implement with your program to help attack zones. Uh just just take it and run with it, Coacher. Yeah, uh, great question, and um, I love X's and O's, and and I love you know that part of the game, and um, so when I, I kind of told you, I say, yep, I'm I'm a, I'm open to anything. I I can talk about a lot of different things. So uh, X's and O's is a passion for sure. So um, yeah, zone offense. Um, you know, I 
up here in Northwest Iowa, man, Iowa, we see uh, we see our fair share of zone um, and different types of zone. And I think attacking different types of zones, um, I, I think you know, attacking a two-three zone versus a one-three-one, I think there's some some differences uh, between those two things. Um, but at the same time, um, I think there's some some fundamentals that are um, you know universal, uh, which with whatever zone you're. Um, you know, you're talking about, you know, one thing we like to try to do, um, is we try to, um, you know, overload a zone. Um, that's one, one concept that we try to stress to our kids, um, is, is overloading a zone. And, um, my first year of, uh, coaching with uh, Chad Angel at Forest City, we went over to Wacon, Iowa, Northeast Iowa, and, uh, met uh with gene Kling is his name and all-time winningest high school coach in in iowa high school girls basketball history you know, over a thousand wins and you know he passed away a couple of years ago but um you know we we talked a lot about zone offense that day and we got some zone stuff from him that we still run uh to this day um and uh one of the things he talked about was overloading the zone and, and how difficult it is for a zone if you can overload it and so that's that's a concept that, that we use and and we always try to you know, surgically pick apart the zone and, and make the zone have to, you know, have to choose and, and always be wrong in whatever they want to try to decide to do. Um, so that way somebody's always open, you know, against the zone. And, and that's that's something that has been a concept for us. Um, and we've got a couple simple overloads that we'll run, um, you know, that we've stolen through the years or that we've developed ourselves, whatever it might be. Um, and, and I think that's been... You know, that's been huge for us. And we try to run um, some misdirection. I think that's another um, thing against the zone um, that's also important. So I think overloading the zone um, is is a great way to attack it. I think, you know, misdirection is, is really good. And, um, you know, like I said, forcing forcing the zone to have to decide, you know, who to guard, um, I think I think is important as well. Um, because anytime, I mean, if you can space it out, I, I think that's huge because, um, if, if one person in the zone can guard two offensive players, I mean, your, your zone offense isn't going to be very effective. So, um, for us, um, you know, those are some of the concepts that we like to use. Um, and then attacking the zone in certain spots, you know, and, and being able to, you know, get the ball in, in certain areas and then be able to attack out of those areas or, or find open, open uh, teammates out of those areas, I think, um, is important as well. So, um, you know, those are some of my thoughts. And, and we're a man-to-man defensive team. You know, that's what we like to do. Um, so we don't, you know, we don't play. I mean, zone's kind of a swear word, you know, for us. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's a it's a four-letter cuss word. So we, yeah. don't, we don't use that much around us unless we're talking offense. But at the same time, you know, the fact that we play man so much on defense, I think kind of breeds a mentality of attacking offensively. Like, hey, they're playing zone because – you know, they, they think that I mean, they can't, they can't guard us man to man or, yep. you know, or whatever it might be. And, and, and that might be incorrect. I, I know there's a lot of coaches who swear by zone and that's fine. I mean, you gotta, you gotta find what works for you the best. I, I get that. But I think our mentality of playing man has kind of helped our mentality of attacking zones offensively as well. That, you know, kind of that, all right, you know, you're going to play zone on us. All right, here we go. I mean, we're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to attack it. But um, I, I think, you know, uh, surgically trying to attack those zones and some of those with some of those different concepts that I mentioned um, is is really important uh, for us. And and we'll run we'll run some of that stuff against the zone and and um, you know be able to get looks out of it and and then from there hopefully execute and and make plays. I that's a I I used to say the exact same thing. Hey, you know what? If 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 they're guarding us zone, 
that means they think they can't guard us man to man, which means uh-huh. we've got them back on their heels. And uh-huh. and so uh, let's let's actually be more confident against the zone because they're already uh-huh. on to plan B. Essentially, right. it's kind of it was right. the and, way we tried to sell it. You know. Yep. Yep. And, and I know, like I said, I, I know there's coaches out there that that you know swear by the two three zone or swear by the one three one. I mean, you go down to to Healing and and the Healing girls run the one three one, and they run it better than any any program I've ever seen. I mean, uh-huh. their one three one is absolutely incredible. Um, or you go over to South O'Brien, and the South O'Brien boys with Kylie Yates. I mean, they want to they want a state championship a couple years ago running two three zone, or uh-huh. um, you know, and I know there's yep. others out there, uh, yep. you know. But you got you got to um, you got to you got to find what fits your personnel. That's your yes. that's your yeah, number one I, yeah, job 100%. as a coach. Yeah, you know, 100%. and, and yeah. you know, you can win a lot of different ways. You yep. can win a lot of different ways. Um, but I I think for us playing man to man is what we do. And I think we kind of have that mentality of, okay, we're going to attack zones. And especially a few years ago when, you know, we had a couple of these kids that were inside outside type kids, you know, we felt like we saw a boatload of zone because, you know, teams felt like they couldn't match up with us and we were able to attack them inside. We were able to attack them outside, but you know, you talked about talent the other, you know, or just a little bit ago um, and, and being able to, when you have kids who all want to score, you know, being able to share the basketball, I think is huge. I, I think is so important. And what we were able to do a few years back is is really be able to share the basketball uh, really well amongst a lot of kids who could to score and hurt zones. And when you're able to share that basketball against the zone and you move the ball faster than the zone can rotate, boy, it is pretty. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty basketball. Absolutely. And somebody and somebody's always getting an open shot and. And, you know, you're, you're watching kids make the extra pass. And, and, uh, I mean, it's, it is, it's sweet. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. So, um, you know, those are some of the zone concepts and, you know, and like I said, I mean, if anybody ever wants to talk X's and O's, I mean, and and have me draw up some of that stuff, I'd be, I'd be happy to uh, draw anything up and, and uh, show you some of the zone stuff that we, um, that we like to run and have had some success with. Well, let me ask you about two things that you mentioned there. Uh, you you said I, I think most of our listeners would understand what you're meaning by by overloading the zone, uh, you know that type of thing. But you spoke of of misdirection. What did you mean by by misdirection? I mean, I'm thinking misdirection like in football. You know, you're talking you know counters and and reverses and you know that type of stuff. You know, but when, when you're talking misdirection against the zone, what, can you be a little bit more specific about that? Sure, sure. And here's and there's one set that I'm thinking of in my head that. You know, we have run, um, we've run a boatload of times um, against, you know, like especially a 2-3 zone. Um, and maybe misdirection isn't the right word. I just kind of like saying misdirection and the kids kind of buy into it like, hey, yeah, we're, we're really fooling them here. And, you're and like, a, and you're kinda, like a Hayden Fry with exotics. Yes, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yes, yeah. that's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. But, you can, you um, can stand yeah. up your tight end as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I love our, it. Yes. Now you're now you're talking my language here. Now I, you're, you're, our uh, our football uh, coach is uh, he played at Nebraska and uh, uh, he was a backup for Brooke Berenger and and Tommy Frazier back in the mm-hmm. in the glory days, mm-hmm. and uh, so we kind of have the whole Iowa Iowa State Nebraska thing going back and forth. And I and I and and his high school they ran a bunch of. One three one. So uh, he would always give me crap about how come you don't one th- run one three one. I don't know. I don't, you know. I don't. You know. I said. So I said. All right. Here's the deal. If I run one three one, the next year when you get up big on somebody, then you run the stand up tight end. 
Mm-hmm. And he's like, deal. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we got, we, we got up big on somebody and I called timeout. We were up 25 with two minutes left to go. And I called timeout and I'm, and I'm like, okay. And, and they're looking at me like, what are you, why are you calling timeout coach? Okay. Here's, we're going to do this. So you're going to one, three, and I draw it up real quick. And they're like, coach, what, why are we doing One of my players, like, why are we doing this? I go, to win a bet with Coach Terman. That's why. That's why. We're, so yeah. just go out and do what I tell you to do. So the next yeah. day, we, so they ran it, you know. And the next day, I brought him into my room at 730 in the morning, I, and I paused the huddle film. I'm like, there it is. I expect yeah. to see a stand-up tight end here uh, yep. the, the first there time you, you get up big next year. And, it, you know, I don't think you ever paid off that debt, but, you know, yes. it, it was it was well worth it. So that's yes. just a, that's a stupid yes. story. And, and sorry for those of you that lost 90 seconds of your life to that story, but I just <laughs> – I just felt like telling that story. So that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's why we're here. That's why we're here is to tell stories. You know, when we get older, we love to tell stories. Exactly. So, so, so misdirection. Yeah. Well, again, like I said, maybe misdirection isn't the right word. I, I'm not sure, but you know, we'll, we'll run some stuff. And I'm thinking, you know, there's one in my mind I'm thinking of right now, and then there's another one that we'll run where, um, you know, where we we try and ball fake to one side and come back the other way, and then we're screening the side that we're you know trying to ball fake you know, come back to originally. And, and so that way the zone is shifting. They're thinking it's going one way and we'll come back the other way for a shooter, um, that type of thing. But there's one that we run called loop, um, against the two, three zone that has been just a killer. I mean, against any two, three zone that we've seen. And when we used to run it, we had a girl that she's a freshman down at Nebraska Kearney right now playing uh, ball down there. And we'd run it with her at the high post. And, um, it was, I mean, uh, you could, we could put a video together on huddle and make an instructional tape on it on just mm-hmm. running this one, this one little misdirection play. It was, it was awesome. And, and so, um, you know, what we do is we'd go like dribble entry, for example, to the right, she'd be over on the left side, um, you know, at the high post on the left side. And then, uh, we'd have a girl, you know, another one of our bigs down low. Um, and then we'd go dribble entry to the right at the right wing, the right wing would loop to the top. Our point guard would take a quick look to the top and that point or that wing would come to the top of the key and call for it. And then as soon as that was coming, our, our, uh, girl on the weak side, uh, high post would then flash to the high post and we'd come right to her and she'd have a wide open jump shot and attack a high, low reverse it to the opposite side as well. And it just, you watch it on film and it just, it looks like kind of like a, like a counter play in football, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that, a little misdirection where, you know, you think that shooter's coming to the top and really on a two, three zone, the girl at the top, you know, on that, on the strong side was picking up our, our point guard. And then the girl that was left was a lot of times respecting that shooter or would take the girl at the top who was, you know, calling for at the top. And then that would leave the high post wide open or that, you know, middle of the lane or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we would hit it all the time. And then we'd hit high, low, we'd hit, you know, a jumper there. I mean, it was just, it was killer and we could run it and you can run it as a continuity. You can run it back the other direction then too, if you don't get the first side. And yeah. so it, it, the misdirection of that, where we're coming to one side, taking a look at the top and then coming back to the middle, it was, it, it was a, just a killer for us. I mean, we've just, we've been able to butcher two, three zones just with that. And then we'll run it and then, you know, we'll run something else and we'll come back to it, you know, or we might go start it on the left side, for example. And it's, it's been really effective. You know, another thing I meant, I forgot to mention about attacking zones too, is being able to screen the zone, you know, mm-hmm. and I think screening the zone is, is a underrated concept as well, especially in high school girls basketball. 
Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll run some stuff where we try and screen the zone as well. Um, or we'll run a, a motion offense where we designate a screener. And that's been really good for us. And you want to talk about finding roles for kids. That's one thing that we've been able to do efficiently as well as identify a screener. Well, we might call out a motion, you know, one of our like a motion call. And we're going to say, all right, designate a certain kid as a screener. And that's her job is to screen. I mean, she screens and shows, you know, screens and flashes. And then ball moves and she's back into another type of screen. So she's screening the zone all over the place and the zone don't know where, they don't know where the screen is coming from. And she sets different types of screens, you know, and we've shown her, all right, these are the screens you can set to be effective and kids learn how to read it and attack it, you know, and, and that's been, that's been amazing. I mean, that's, that's been great for us. And plus you get movement out of it all the time as well. So um, those are, those are some concepts that we've used attacking zones. Good. Um, I'm assuming when you're talking spots, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you're, you're thinking like short corners, high posts, uh, <laughs> that, that type of area that you, that you, uh, teach your kids that type of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, as far as zagging spots, yes. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll run your, your standard, some of your standard, uh, obviously zone stuff and, and that's, that's great. But, you know, you getting the ball to the short corner and getting a dive from the high post. I mean, that's, that's been, you know, effective for us through the years. Um, but yeah, being able to attack out of the high post, I, and that's no secret, obviously, with any zone offense sure. and, and running that loop play, like I had just mentioned. I mean, I, th- that's the best one we've ever run as far as getting looks in the high post because, you know, a lot of times zones are, you know, taught to take away the high post or whatever it might be. And, and if they did that, and if they did sag on that, that kid that was coming to the high post, we had our shooter at the top wide open then, yeah. you know? And, and so again, you're talking about having the zone make decisions, but that's, that's what we've been able to do um, pretty effectively, you know, again, short corner. Um, and then also trying to get, if you're talking like a two, three zone, for example, getting that bottom, bottom player to come out on the wing. And that's why, it's really important where that wing catches the ball or where the wing gets the ball, because we want that, that player on the bottom to come out, which hopefully would open up our, our kid flashing to the short corner. We want to be able to get that because if the ball's too low or too high, you know, it's easy, it's easy to figure out who's guarding where in the zone. But if it's in the, what we call like, I mean, the fade, we call it the fade spot. I mean, that, that's like our favorite spot. We can get it right there. Then they hopefully have to make a decision. Who's taking that kid, you know, and if hopefully it's the bottom as the bottom comes out, then we can hit the short corner, and that's where we want to get it. Yeah. Um, we'll also run – we stole it from Mark Few um, at Gonzaga several years ago. At a, I heard him up in the Twin Cities at a clinic, and uh, we got another one that we call Gonzaga, and that one we attack through the, the wing. Um, and that's, that's a – it's a killer set there, you know, where <laughs> if the ball goes to one side, it comes back to the other, and now when the ball gets to the wing – the, the the kid on the bottom of the zone on the weak side of the zone has to make a decision you know who who she's going to guard and she can't be right and then so we'll attack it from the wing either with the shot the drive or the pass to the corner for an open shot depending on you know or dump to the post whatever so mm-hmm. that that's another place where we've attacked the zone too um and 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 it's perfectly designed to force that kid on the weak side to have to make a decision. And we never want her to be right and mm-hmm. to feel like whatever she decides is wrong. And like I said, Mark Few, I think is a, I think he is a basketball genius. Oh, you know, he's you got Gonz- such you good watch stuff. Gonzaga, oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, you watch Gonzaga, it's incredible. I mean, yeah. it's incredible. But we picked that up from him. And I, and some of the stuff that he was showing was just, you know, it was kind of a little bit above our heads, but, yeah. but um, that was one thing that we picked up that we've been running and, and we've hit uh, just on Gonzaga. I mean, we've hit, oh my gosh, I don't know how many different, 
you know, scoring opportunities out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been incredible for us as well. So that was a, that's another place where we did attack was was from that weak side wing once the ball got swung and reversed. And, and again, I'd have to draw it up and show you, but there's different options out of it. So it, yeah, that's been really good for us too. So. Yeah. Well, we don't quite have the the YouTube uh, part of it sent up here. That's the one yeah, downside when we, okay. you know, in the medium here on the pod, you know, that's the one thing that's a little bit frustrating is, yeah. is you know, I would, you know, gosh, if we could get that whiteboard up and going. Oh, and, 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 and that's and, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, oh, I, I know what you're people, saying. I'm just, yeah, my, my own yeah. personal frustration, you know. Yeah, that's all right. But you know? if people want to email me, I mean, they can certainly drop me an email at school or you know, uh, whatever it might be, I, I would be happy to drop any of this stuff and send it to you, um, uh-huh. you know, with, without a doubt. So, um, okay. you know, for sure. Okay. Yeah. We can go into the, uh, into your classroom where you left that, uh, ring of dripping sweat in front of your class, uh, in front of your board, in front of <laughs> yeah. Jim Ekoff there. So, yeah, yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> um, that's great stuff on the zone stuff, Judd. Uh, that is, that is really really good. I mean, I just got a full page of notes just listening to that right there. So, um, again, kind of going through my inventory of, gosh, what have we talked about? What have we? More importantly, what have we not? What have I? What did I feel like we haven't talked enough about? And and one of the things that kind of hit me as I prepped for tonight was, you know, we haven't talked a lot on this pod about just the simplest part of what are some good drills for ball handling and passing, you know, and, and, and as I, as I went back and looked, I was, God, Plum, you're an idiot. Why have, why have we not talked about this more? Um, and so, you know, that's one of the things, like I said, you kind of gave me the blank slate here. Uh, so, so what are some things that, that you're doing with your kids that just emphasize the, 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 the most basic parts of the game where it's just, it's just ball handling and and passing the basketball and making sure we're hitting people on time on target that we're that we're protecting the basketball so forth and so on. What do you guys do up there at Lamar's? Well, that's a, that's a great great question. Um, and you and, better and, you better have an answer for me. All right. Well, I've got an answer. Yeah. <laughs> How much time do you have? I mean, I've, I've definitely got an answer for you. Um, and our philosophy. You know, it, it might go against tradition. It might go against uh, what everybody else does. But you know, here's my thing: is I I'm, I feel like I'm a outside the box thinker. Um, I I'm not a you know um, everybody does it, so we got to do it too. You know, type type of coach, and that, that's just not me. Uh, that's not who I am, and that's never who I'm going to be. So be true to who you are. But um, one thing, as far as ball handling. And passing goes, I'll, I'll take them two separate, I'll take them just in two separate entities here. Um, I'll start with passing first. One thing that we do with a lot of our passing stuff um, is we do a lot of passing stuff that's like no dribble. I mean, we do a lot of um, pressure stuff where it's competitive and it's not you know, like, okay, we're going to line up across from each other and, Hey, we're going to work on a chest pass. We're going to bounce pass. I mean, you can do that stuff with, with, you know, kids that are first learning the game and, and finding out what the game's all about and learning fundamentals and all that. And, and that's great. But what we try and do is we do a ton of no dribble stuff with pressure situations because we want to try and make it as game-like as possible. Um, and then that being said, we can try to teach fundamentals at the same time as learning how to handle pressure 
um, because I feel like um, not, I mean, just overall in basketball, I think you have to be able to handle pressure. You have to be able to handle people that are up in your grill. Um, you have to. Um, and I think, you know, uh, high school girls, I, I think that is a huge part of coaching high school girls basketball is you better be able to have a plan for pressure. Um, and, and I'm going to go back to John Gruden and make a football reference here. You know, you watch John Gruden's QB camps through the years they used to do on ESPN. Every single quarterback that he had on there, he talked about blitz pickup. You know, he talked mm-hmm. about handling pressure. And there's a reason why he brought that up with every single quarterback. It's because you have to you have to understand that. You have to know what the plan is because defenses are not going to sit back on their heels and let you do what you want. Um, and I think basketball, and I, was, I always remember that like, wow, Oh yeah. I mean, that is, that is gold, Uh you know? And I think with basketball, it's the same way. If you don't have, if you're not accustomed to ball toughener drills and and passing drills where there's somebody in your face and somebody has got to get open. I mean, in my opinion, you know, you're, you're going to struggle when you get to a game and you think about South Sioux, you know, Marty, the years that South Sioux was rolling. I mean, they were in your grill, weren't they? Oh, Oh Yeah. Yeah, and so, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and up here, too, I mean, the years that Western Christian had, you know, their athletes in Helan and, and whoever. I mean, you can go up and down the line, whatever. Yeah. The teams, teams are, and, you know, we talked about zone offense a little bit, and some zones are stagged back and, you know, I mean, just force you to, to shoot threes. But some zones are more aggressive and they're in your face. But either way, it doesn't matter. Um, the, the, the fact that I think with passing, we have to be able to handle pressure. I think it builds every, just, I think that's the core of our philosophy of passing. So, all right. So what we try to do is we do a lot of no dribble stuff, you know, ball toughness, you know, that type of thing where there's, there's a defender and we have to be able to complete a pass to a teammate where the teammate has another defender near her. So that way we're practicing realistic game situations, you know, and then from there we can teach, and, and work with fundamentals of passing. You know, like one thing we always try to stress is two hands. You know, you are not catching the ball with one hand. And I, I can't stress that enough. And that's a Jim Ecoff thing. You watch the Western boys, they're the best I've ever seen at catching the ball with two hands. They always caught the ball with two hands. And so we talk to our kids, you got to be a two-handed monster. You know, you've got to be able to catch the ball with two hands and turnovers happen when you're trying to catch it with one or you're trying to knock it down with one hand or, or whatever it might be. Um, and, and not every pass is going to be perfect. Not every pass is going to be the, the passing drill where you're standing across from somebody and you just throw it right and it hits them right in the chest. You can't, that's just not realistic. So to be able to go get a basketball and attack it and, and go meet the ball and that type of thing with two hands is so important. So we do full court, you know, no dribble. We do half court, no dribble. Um, you know, we'll do drills where, you know, I mean, just break down stuff. Um, we'll make it competitive. We'll do work on technique. We'll just do a lot of different things with that. Um, but we do a lot with um, no dribble. And I think with passing, to me, that is that is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's kind of our philosophy with passing. Um, and, and through the years, once we kind of went to that philosophy, it, it's really helped us. And it's cut down on our turnovers. Um and yes, we'll still do some of our traditional, you know, passing drills where we're in transition and somebody's catching on the fly for a layup and, you know, that type of thing. Well, I, I'm not saying we don't do any of those because we, we still do because you still have to work on, you know, catching the ball in transition, making layups and all that. I, I, I get that 100%. We still do that. 
But the heart of what our passing, I, I'd say that the most important thing is we do it against pressure mm-hmm. because that's that's what you're going to see in a game. And if you want to hear, and I'm going to say this, and any coach out here, I, I hope would agree with me, but I think it's one of the most important things I'm going to say is if you want to beat the best teams on your schedule, then you have to be able to handle pressure. You yep. have to be able to handle people in your grill. Yep. You know, and if, if you if you can't, then you're not going to beat the best teams on your schedule. You yep. know, I, I don't care. It's just it's not going to happen. Yep. So you have to be able to handle people that are up up in your grill. And yep. I think passing that's that's important for us. Um, and so that that's that's huge. It, you know, but I go back to when my daughter started playing a few years ago, and we're starting to to work with passing with them. Yeah, we're showing them you know, pivoting, we're showing them, um, you know, footwork and that goes with passing as well. And that's, I should have mentioned that too, because that's another thing we try to emphasize as well as footwork. Um, you know, Mark Gunderson, who was a great, great coach at MOC for many years said in girls basketball, you could save yourself 10 points a game by just not traveling. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that makes sense. You know? Yeah. And so the foot, so the footwork, the footwork goes along with the passing, but, uh, we try to, like I said, passing has to be live. It, it's gotta be, you know, some pressure involved with it, at least, you know, a lot of the time for us. Uh, ball handling, we try to do some of the same things. Any types of uh, you know breakdown ball handling stuff we do, um, like for you know, we're going to make it live and we're going to make it as competitive as possible. Um, where sometimes you're trying to have to handle the ball against one person or you're trying to have to handle the ball against two people. Um, in, in sometimes in small spaces and sometimes in bigger areas. Um, but I think, you know, that's important. Um, and you can do stationary ball handling. You can do all that you know, when you're young and, and, and whatnot, but we just, we don't spend a ton of time on stationary ball handling stuff. Um, you know, the old, I went to the IBCA clinic last year and the Bethel men's coach, he said, all right, he said, first thing I'm going to show you, I got two basketballs here, two ball drill, and everybody's getting ready to write it down. And he says, here's what you do with two ball ball handling. He said, you take one of the balls and you do this. And he gave it a huge kick and he kicked it across the gym. He said, <laughs> I hate, I hate two ball ball handling drills. Worthless. Yeah. <laughs> and some yeah. coaches will disagree, but it got a huge laugh out of the crowd, sure. you know. And, yeah. and so he, and he said, you have to make, you know, ball handling has to be realistic, you know. And, and, and again, I, yeah. I, I agree a hundred percent. So, we try and break it down where they're having to handle the ball under a little bit of pressure. And, yeah. and, um, and, and I think that's, that's again, been, been, you know, important for us. So, um, you know, I, I hope that answers your question. Um, and I, no, again, no. I'm, I'm kind of trying to rattle off as many things on our philosophy sure. here as I can in, no. in a short amount of time. I, one of the things that I've thought about a lot the last couple of years is to, and, and I think you're kind of saying this as well, is to try and eliminate the one-dimensional drill. Well, this is yeah. this is a mm-hmm. rebounding drill. Yes. Well, this is a ball handling drill. You know, and, and I kind of started reflecting, and and I and I kind of made a list of about ten or eleven of the essential things that you do in basketball. Um, mm-hmm. You know, pass. You know, passing, ball handling. Shooting, being, you know, that's the top three, you know, but uh, screening away from the ball, screening on the ball, uh, rebounding, you know, and I'm, and I'm, and I made this list of, of 10, 10, 11 things. And as I started kind of going through my, my, you know, uh, encyclopedia, not encyclopedia, that makes me sound smart. Uh, <laughs> uh, as I started going through all the drills and everything, I started thinking about how much time I wasted, not, and I don't want to say wasted, but 
I will use that word, I guess, wasted on one-dimensional drills. It's not that it was a bad drill, but it, we were just working on one dimension. And and I'm sure you see it as a, as a school counselor. Kids are more distracted these days. Kids are less patient these days. We have less time with our kids because they're pulled in so many different directions with various different things. So one of the things that I started looking at that, you know, if I get back into it, um, you know, if a drill doesn't have at least three of those 10 or 11 things, then I'm not going to run that drill unless it's a shooting drill, mm-hmm. unless yep. it's a shooting drill. Right. Right. Um, right. And that, yeah. And that's a, that's a great point. I, I think there's a lot to be said about that. And, um, and I'm not saying we don't do any drills that, that are, you know, important teaching technique or fundamentals. Sure. Cause I, 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 I think, you know, we might do a rebounding drill where, you know, we call it Duke rebounding where we're throwing a ball up off the glass and we're going to it, leaving our feet and attacking it, grabbing with two hands and then uh-huh. working on either bust out dribbles or pivot or off of that. And, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's, but that's a know, multidimensional. A, you're getting the right, board, but then you're pivoting right. and you're, that's and true. you're dribbling yep. and maybe you're going down yep. to the other end and finishing yep. or something like that. Yep. So, yep. And, and you're trying to do those things, but I, you know, and like I said, I'm going to come back to, you know, the comments I was making about handling pressure. I, I think that's the great separator, um, with, with, uh, players and with teams is, is how they handle that. Um, and, um, you know, making it live and I think making it competitive is important. And, you know, some drills you have being able to keep score or whatever it might be. And I think you just made a fantastic point about kids these days. And I mean, everything is just so, you know, I mean, the phone is attached to their hands and basically, you know, information is right there. I mean, it's instant gratification and they want it right now. Boom. And, um, I, I think that, you know, you kind of have to compete against that attention span all the time. And, uh, for us, you know, that's the thing is, is drills. I mean, it's, it's competitive. It's, it's on the move. There's not a lot of downtime and, and we're moving one thing to the next. It, you know, a piece of coaching advice or, or wisdom or whatever you might, whatever you want to call it is going to be quick and short and say, all right, here's what it is. Da, 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 da. And then we get back into it and, and, and hopefully they've adjusted or they've learned and that type of thing. Because again, I think in this day and age, you kind of have to realize just how, how you can reach kids and how they can be coached. Um, and I think I, so the point you just made is a great point, great mm-hmm. point about coaching kids these days. Oh, well, thank you. I'll take credit for that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of coaches would probably agree with you. On yeah, that one. Oh, yeah, I, I do, so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, let's talk one more thing here. Um, transition, transition offense, uh, just transition in general. You know, how do you guys teach it at Lamar's? Uh, let's start with uh, transition defense. And, and, and I was always, um, and everybody does it their own way. Uh, one of my really good friends teaches the half court and then expands into full court. I was always, we got to go full court because we're going to transition from defense to offense or yeah, from offense to defense 50 to 70 times a game here. So I always wanted to do it and, and there's no right or wrong way. It's just what you, what your own personal philosophy is, but let's go with your transition defense uh, philosophy and, and, and what you kind of, what you guys do uh, with your yeah. program. Yeah. Well, let me say this first. I, I firmly believe um, that <laughs> I, I think and this is going to sound a little different until hopefully I explain it, but um, live ball turnovers when we've got the ball I mean, in my opinion, then transition defense is is irrelevant. 
You know, I, I think that that is huge in the course of a game is if you can avoid live ball turnovers, that's the toughest oh. thing to defend, you know, in yes. my opinion. Oh, and, yes. and you, you, you were, know, you were talking about, you were talking about, uh, handling pressure and, yes. and, and if, if you have a team, you know, you're getting ready for a scout and, and what I'm sure you emphasize it. I know I did girls or guys, depending on which gender you're mm-hmm. coaching, mm-hmm. take the five second call Take the 10-second call above the live ball turnover 100 times out of 100. 100 times yeah, out of 100. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. And, yeah, and, I mean, because the great coach once told me, I, I oh, this was, this was a great you know, piece of knowledge I felt like, and I've tried to use it through the years, is not all turnovers are created equal. You know? <laughs> that, and, you're true. That nails and, it. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and, and so live ball turnovers um, will just, they'll just kill you. I, it, because there's no way to defend them. And you want to talk about transition defense, and I'll get more into that in a second, um, you know, in the traditional sense. But, um, you know, live ball turnover, if we turn the ball over and somebody's up in our grill and they're pressing us or, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter where it's at on the floor. But if that thing is going the other way and they've got the advantage, I mean, we're, we're in big trouble. And if you give up, you know, several of those during the course of a game, you're, you're not going to win. I mean, or very rarely do you win. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think, first of all, I think that needs to be said. I, I think that's sometimes underrated by coaches and sometimes forgotten, you know, as, as coaches that, hey, you know what? Not all turnovers are created equal. And mm-hmm. there's no way to defend live ball turnovers. I mean, they're, you know, they're hard to defend. It, yeah. It's tough. Um, so I think in the transition game, I think that's that's really important to say, first of all. Um, but if you want to talk more in the traditional sense, you know, we, we try and put a big emphasis on transition defense because, you know, and this all ties together, but I'm going to go back to one of your questions earlier when you're talking about building a program and you're talking about like, okay, rebuilding or, or whatever it might be. I'm going to throw another piece of advice on that, and this will go into transition in just a second here. Um, but I think that as a coach, you have to know – who you are, you know, like what, this is what we do. You know, Tony Dungy always said, do what you do, you know, or do what we do. And and I think that is huge because I think sometimes too many coaches will say, Oh, we're going to do this. And then we're going to try this. We're going to change this and do that. At the end of the day, you have to do what you do. You know, and, and for us, we're man to man. That's what we do. I mean, we play half court man to man. We put a little pressure on once while in the full court, but we play man to man defense that's what we do. I mean, that is our staple, you know, mm-hmm. and we're going to play great transition defense on top of that. That's what we do. Um, and we're not changing. We're not going to all of a sudden play four different defenses during the course of a game or, Hey, we're playing somebody different. So now we're going to junk them. You know, we're going to play a box and one or we just don't do that. And it's not a secret. You ask any coaches that play against us say, what does Lamar's do? Oh yeah. They play man to man. I mean, it's, you, you know what's coming. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm a big Iowa football guy and big Iowa football fan. You watch Iowa football, you know what Iowa football is going to do. There's not a lot of secrets out there. I mean, and, and I think that's important. So for us, transition defense, and, and again, I think any coach that's starting a program or building a program, please believe that. Please, mm-hmm. you know, take that and run with it, that you have to have that philosophy. This is what we're going to do. You know, I'm not saying you can't tweak things or adjust things, but – this is what we're going to do. This is who we are going to be. This is our this is our identity, you know. And teams that don't have an identity or programs that don't have an identity, it's like a ship out at sea that has no no where to go. I mean, they're just floating, you know. Yeah. 
going in every which way. But transition defense for us is so important because we want to be able to hopefully get teams locked down into the half court because I feel like it's harder for teams to have to score in the half court than it is for them to get out and run and score layups and transition or you know anything like that. And so, again, that's why we try and avoid live ball turnovers, and it's why we try and force teams – to have to score in the half court against us because we really want to be really good at half court defense. So we rep in practice, you know, we've got, I mean, a boatload of different transition defensive drills and, you know, you're talking about different skills and different drills and and we'll do those in, in these drills and they're all incorporated. But our main emphasis at the end of the day here is like, all right, this is defensive transition. We have to be really good at this. And so we'll put them in different situations with different types of different tra- different uh, defensive transition. And, um, you know, we obviously want to emphasize getting the ball stopped. We want to emphasize protecting the rim. We want to identify, you know, getting matched up with shooters and find and identify who's, who the, is the first threat. And we always say a bad matchup is better than no matchup at all, you know, um, in yep. defensive transition. Because if you're running back and that might this – is, this, this is so hard for younger kids to understand sometimes because they get locked into, quote, unquote – my girl, you know, that I'm guarding, my, you know, my guy that I'm guarding. Well, I'm not guarding that person. Well, you know what? We're all guarding that person. If that person's got the ball and you're the only one who can stop that kid from getting to the hoop, you better do it. Even though it might not be quote unquote, your, you know, your girl or your guy or whatever, you know? Yeah. And I think that's important. So a bad matchup is better than no matchup at all, especially in transition. And, and any of our kids that have ever played for us would tell you that they've heard that a million times from us that, you know, I mean, a bad matchup's better than no matchup at all. Because if you have no matchup at all, that, that person's getting to the hoop, and then you're in trouble. Um, and then we can, you know, we'll, we'll scramble, we'll rotate if we need to, whatever it might be. But we have to get the ball stopped. We have to protect the hoop. We have to identify shooters, make sure we're matched up, and force them to dribble backwards or sideways. You know, out of out of the transition game. And then if we can do that and force them to play half court. Now that's our style and that's us, you know, now we can grind on you. Now we can make it tough for you to score in the half court and execute our defense, you know, uh, really well. So that's a little bit about defensive transition, I guess. And that kind of is our philosophy. And I know I'm talking a lot about it, but I, I, pretty passionate about this stuff. No, that's okay. That's you're You're passionate about it. It's worked well for you and you're 32 minutes away from playing for another state tournament. So, you know, it's working. So, yeah, if, well, if, but if, you watch us play on Tuesday against Glenwood, and what they like to do is they like to get up and down, and score, and transition. So, I mean, they'll be put to the test. That's for sure on Tuesday. So, <laughs> well, you know what? That's that's what uh, you know. Uh, styles make fights, and and uh, you know that's what makes that's what makes things so interesting, especially in the postseason, where yeah. you know here it is, everything's on the line. And, yep. and and the the coaching staff at Glenwood is is doing things much differently than you are, but you're both successful at what you do. And now yep. let's 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 tee it up and let's see who does what they do better because neither one yeah. of you are going to change. Yeah, hundred percent. And yeah. and that's the thing is you know through the years we feel like we've been able to play teams that have put up a ton of points and we're able to you know, limit them. We're able to, to hold them to fewer points in a game than what they're accustomed to. And a lot of it is because of, you know, half court defense that starts with transition defense. And, and I I think that's, I think that's just huge, you know, and, and I think, you know, through the years, 
as long as you can take care of the ball and you can play solid defense, you can give a chance, yourself a chance. But, um, you know, for us, transition D has been huge because nothing drives me crazy, you know, more than watching film and seeing other teams not stop the ball in transition and somebody dribble all the way down and get to the basket. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, stop the ball, somebody, yeah. please. You know, or, you know, I, I could tell him, like, you know what? That's not your girl. Oh, well, but you still got to stop her. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> or still don't leave a shooter just – playing horse in the driveway wide open. I mean, yeah. get out on her, you know, yeah. but whatever. So, yep. um, yeah, so I think that's a little bit about defensive transition for us. Yeah. And, and it's something we try to put an emphasis on all the time. Coach, you, you made a couple references if folks want to get a hold of you. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you, you said to give you an email. Uh, we're kind of wrapping things up here. Uh, email, your email if you want to share it if, uh, for your program, if you got social sure. media handles that you want folks to check you out, uh, feel free. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you my email here, and and any coaches, you know, um, any level are more than welcome to contact me, and I'd love to talk basketball or you know, um, you know, go back and forth a little bit. Uh, but my email is Judd dot at lamarscsd.org. Um, and you can go on the Lamar's Community Schools website and, you know, find my email there and look me up um, in our staff directory. Um, that's also available there. But, um, yeah, I, I can send anything over email and, and uh, put clips together from some of the X's and O's. You can kind of visually see it or whatever. Um, and I'd love to share share anything with anybody. So Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Coach, is this, uh, Coach, this has been a great night. I mean, I got – I got about three and a half pages of notes here that I've been just scribbling while you've been talking and I've been uh, taking it all in. And I'm sure uh, the folks that are going to listen to this are, are going to be uh, just as uh, just as locked in because you, you had some terrific, terrific thoughts and ideas to share here tonight. So uh, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, like I said, I know you got a big one here in less than 48 hours to try and get back to Des Moines. And, uh, you know, I just can't thank you enough for for taking the time to, to, to talk some hoops here on a pen and a napkin. Yeah, well, Marty, I, I really appreciate what you're doing with this because you're growing the profession and, um, you know, you're helping coaches all over the place. And uh, that's that's awesome. So what you're doing here, man, keep it up um, because it's, it's impacting a lot of people um, that are out there in the coaching profession. And, um, you know, I told you before we got on the air here, I mean, coaches it's like a brotherhood you know and we we understand each other and we're all in this together and uh we face similar challenges together and and uh you know sharing great moments together so um you know i appreciate what you're doing and uh you know keep up the great work here this is this is fantastic well uh, i'm trying to do the best that i can here in amateur hour so uh <laughs> you know uh the the uh but it, it's been a lot of fun and i've gotten to talk to a lot of a lot of really good people and 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 some of them have been complete strangers uh you know some of them have been people that i know really 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 well and there's a little bit in between and and uh i've i've benefited from it just as much as anybody else has because mm-hmm. i've i've got a lot of really good things out of it so yes, uh, but yes. uh, but i i do appreciate it so why don't you hold yes. the line here i got to wrap up a couple things and then we'll, we'll we'll call it an evening here so uh judd judd copperud from lamar's 
uh, Iowa, the ice cream capital of the world. If you ever wondered where Wells Blue Bunny ice cream comes from, uh, that's where Coach works the the early morning shift before he goes into the guidance department <laughs> there at, at Lamar's High. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see him on a commercial someday or something like that. So. Uh, we also want to thank not only Wells Blue Bunny. Uh, there's some free advertising for them. So, uh, but uh, not only Wells Blue Bunny, but Cosec Chiropractic for uh, sponsoring the pod. Again, if you're in Omaha, you need any chiropractic services, don't hesitate to call Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter, a pen and a napkin. Uh, download, rate, and review the pod if you're listening. You're, when you are listening to this on SoundCloud or iTunes. Um, and like I said. Uh, last but not least, email us, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Questions, comments, ideas, anything you want us to talk about, feel free to let us know. Uh, this has been a terrific, uh, over an hour and a half here. It doesn't seem like it's gone that long, but it's, it's been a terrific discussion here. Um, coaches, this was, this was a terrific night. And as always, coaches, be sure to continue to hone your craft one day at a time. <laughs>